Welcome to This Is Influence. It's a show about how B2B brands and execs can become more influential. This week, I speak with Katie Howe, the CEO of social media agency Immediate Future. You may recognize her from her appearances on BBC News and various TV and radio programs. She is widely considered an authority on all things social media. She speaks often at conferences, runs masterclasses, and has co-authored five books on social media and is a regular contributor to the press. Clients include the likes of Fujitsu, LastMinute.com, Thomson Reuters, Google, Diageo, just go down the list of some of the biggest brands in the world. And we discuss everything from how she built her influence and the best content platforms that she uses, what influence looks like to her as a leader, modern social media, and how the best brands are doing it well right now. If you're interested in any of that stuff, then you're not going to want to miss this episode. So this is old. This is new. This is Influence. Katie Howell, welcome to This is Influence. Thank you for having me. Katie, I've been super excited to have you on the show and have this conversation with you because you are social media royalty. Not only to me, but to uh, The Drum, who named you as the fourth most influential social media expert. And also, when I speak to anyone about agencies that are excellent in social media, that help brands position themselves on social, immediate future in your name keep coming up time and time again. How have you approached building that reputation and that influence? It's never one thing. It's a combination of things. Um, I'm a real believer in uh, Cialdini's The Art of Persuasion. I don't know if you've ever read Great book. the book. Yeah. But actually, influence is a combination of social proof, reciprocity, authority, liking, commitment, scarcity, unity, the, the, the seven, seven uh, principles. For me, the one that I find works best in in marketing is reciprocity it's the biggest one which is giving giving more information giving more out um tends to tends to give you that uh, kind of beds you into a community basically and 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 the other side of that is then knowing your subject inside and out so even though i've been working it for years i I always check the news in the morning. I read the latest reports, all of these things so that I can know social media inside and out. So there's there's two interesting things there. Domain expertise, actually knowing your subjects really, really well and giving it away <laughs> almost because the giving it away part is the demonstration of your knowledge and expertise. And it's actually adding value to someone else at no cost to that that person as well. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's also partly, I like the idea of paying it forward. Mm. Uh, and it is actually a very commercially sensible way of thinking about this because actually I can teach many people on my social networks, in our reports, give away the information. doesn't matter if another agency downloads it because I'm after the brand who says, I get this, but I want an expert to come and do it for me. That's the person I want because I want the person that wants to break the social boring. I want the brand that wants to challenge the status quo. So I'm. it's actually in good stead that I can educate people, tell people what's going on. But, but the payback is that it helps us sift out the right kind of client too. In your 
expertise and, and in your experience, what has been the best kind of content that you've given away or thought leadership that has helped build or influence, generate demand, kind of make immediate future famous? <laughs> I love this question because we get asked this quite a lot. Like there's a like there's a silver bullet to influence, but there isn't. It is an engine. To create influence is never one thing. And if even if you speak to somebody who say a TikTok influencer, that it's never the one thing that they do. It'll be all the meetings that they have, the co-creation that they do. It's never one thing that makes you influential. Um, so that's not really very helpful. But what I will say is that there is some core truths within that. So it's not so much the tactics, it's knowing your personal brand. To mine is all about being knowledgeable and a bit blunt, <laughs> as you know, pragmatic yeah, yeah. and a bit yeah. blunt. And also, true to your brand. True to my brand. And also I absolutely hate jargon. Mm. because I feel that it obfuscates the meaning of what we're trying to get across. So I really like to use analogies and simplify things. So that that's my personality style, my external personality style, um, my internal normal best friend's personality style is a bit sloth-like. <laughs> but I'll keep that kind of optimistic, pragmatic way forward. And the other element is that I don't just share information. So what I try to do is be an opinion leader, which means having an opinion, um, because what I'm trying to do is change behavior. So I need to have quite a, you know, a thoughtful opinion um, where I can back it up with data. So these two things then play out in events or books or cont contributions to the press Um or, or whatever tactic I decide is the next best, the podcast that I'm on, is, is give that some real thought and, and, and have an opinion. And if I don't agree with something, I'm happy to back it up and not agree with it. And I'm also happy to get into a discussion and for somebody to say, you're wrong, Katie. So I think it's, it's, it's really about knowing your topic, knowing who you are, so you have the confidence to go out there and be who you are. And then really the tactical stuff is not the silver bullet. The, the real silver bullet is, is your knowledge, your expertise, your consultancy. And as I said in the beginning, you've been doing this for 19 years now. So how much of influence is a factor of just showing up every day consistently over time? Oh, totally. Yes. And, and, and well, it's two things. It's consistency. Um, which is hard to be always kind of, as an influencer. And I don't really see myself as an influencer, by the way, I suspect lots of B2B influencers don't see themselves as such. Mm. Um, but, but is being consistent. And, and, and the second is probably more important than consistency. And that is relationships. So I work hard building relationships with people and it's not just, I'm not just building relationships with marketeers. Or, or brand brand side people, I'm building relationships right across the spectrum. Um, and part of that is just my own joy at meeting people. <laughs> Can't help myself. Having a drink. Right, let's go out. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just a joy. And also exploring sure. um, what, how other people approach things. I mean, as you know, prior to this, we had a 
brief chat about sales and it's yeah. just oh my mind is buzzing now with that <laughs> you're know? welcome you can have that one for free <laughs> so relationships really matter and i tend to have those people you know the the dunbar number the 150 which mm. is the the people that in business who are very close to me, who are the sort of people I'll call and cry down the phone at, which are two or three. And then you have the bigger number of people who I rely on quite a lot to steer me in the right. I trust them. And then you have the bigger number and the bigger number, which are people you're very well connected to. And and, and it's the thing that's rarely spoken about in terms of influence. But actually, those are the connections that actually build the influence because you have credibility, because you have connections and it adds to that whole social proof angle alongside consistency so i would say relationships are really core to building influence especially in a marketing services agency business such as immediate future is what are the dimensions of building relationships that are really fundamental to the way that you operate and and what percentage of your time in a week let's say do you devote to building those relationships and and whether that's offline or offline? I think this is a really fundamental part of influence. I think that most people don't discuss actually how much of your influence is offline. There's all, you know, we, we all love being on social media. We all love being on, on LinkedIn. But I think that's a very small part of actually the influence that is in the world. And actually most influence is one-to-one you know, offline. Most people don't see it. You don't really experience it. But actually, that's where most of the most relationships are built. So I'd just like you to kind of explore that area. How much time do you devote to building those offline relationships? And what does that look like for, for Katie Howe? I would say all relationships around 70 to 80 percent and about offline now that we're all out and about probably about 40 percent of my time mm. in, in real world um relationships but that can be quite it doesn't always require me to um go down the pub <laughs> or, or 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 go for a meal sometimes it can be a coffee or 10 minutes chatting to somebody an event it it, it can be quite a small element um but actually the real key is not how often you do it it's mm. how much you listen uh and if you're like me and have the memory of a goldfish, um, I often on the train home just make a few notes so that it beds it in my head, which is so-and-so said they had two kids or so-and-so said they've got a challenge with this. Um, and I will follow up with most people, as you know, you've, you've been on the receiving end of this. It's mostly because I'm just interested in people. So I, I think listening is a really important part to building relationships and then playing that back to folk but I'm making that sound very very contrived and manipulative <laughs> and it's really not it is just my curiosity mm. so if you only had let's say I know that you've built immediate future over 19 years but if you only had three years to build the brand and the influence that you have so far what are the core things that you would that you would focus on Oh, it's very doable. You can actually do it in about six months. <laughs> I think inner circle of connections. I think you said there was no silver bullet. Yeah, exactly. But I think there's an inner circle of connections to grow authority because you need credibility quickly. Lead with opinions and thought leadership rather than just knowledge because that will also work really fast. 
be consistent and make sure you're continuing to explore your personal brand so that you're looking at the vulnerable sides of you. So you, you show a little bit of, you know, your ankle, for want mm. of a better word, a little bit of the you inside there. And focus on being good at one thing. Try not to, you know, most of us are not influential, as you rightly said, it's, it's within category or within topic. You know, I might be influential in social media, but I'm not influential in SEO, for instance, or, uh, you know, um, cycling. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm influential in what I do and what I know. So I think yeah. stick to one thing, develop a personal brand, be a thought leader, and that that requires a lot of work. People often throw that word around and don't realise how much reading and thinking you sure. have to do. And then, you know, cultivate an inner circle of that will help you with your credibility and trust. Absolutely love that, and it can be done in in six months, as you as you as you say. What, I, I want to explore what influence means as the CEO of an agency, um, and what influence means in leadership more broadly. How how does your influence show up at work with your teams? How do you leverage your influence to get the best out of your teams? Um, I suspect I don't, I would not call it influence. I would call it leadership. Um, because for me, I'm not trying to influence my team. Uh, and leadership is a much more different, it's, it's, to be a good leader requires you to really park your ego and not talk over other people and be, be a leader from behind as much as a leader from in front. And so for me, there is a bit of a challenge of me coming out and going, I've got this opinion, you know, as a which I can do on social media. I can say, I've got an opinion, you shouldn't do this. But with my team, that would just be, you know, it just wouldn't work. I'm trying not to be rude there. <laughs> Because they'd be like, uh, Casey, we know more than you in this area. We actually do the work every day. Exactly. So um, our core skills, at uh, core values at Immediate Future are curiosity, unsurprisingly, because we work in social media, collaboration, and this is a real key one, and the other one is courage. Now, my job is to help my staff be courageous and collaborate, collaborate, and my job is to help others be the best they can be, not me be influential and wonderful and everybody listens to what Katie says. Because actually that has more value. It has more value to me, to be honest with you, which is to bring people along with you to, to champion others. Um, it's really, I think it's having that respect for your colleagues, which is exactly as you said, they do it every day. They know more than I do in the real nitty gritty of it. And I can go, what would you do in this scenario? Mm. And they're amazing. So why shouldn't I enjoy them, celebrate them instead of trying to influence them? I want to talk to you a little bit about B2B boring. I know it's a topic that's very close, close to your heart um, and mine as well. If you were to go back to university and you had to teach an advanced level course on how not to be boring as a B2B brand, what do you think would be the main modules in that course? Uh, don't think like a B2B marketer. No, no, no. Mm. Um, I think 
being memorable really matters. And, and B2B brands forget this element, which is why they often move to bottom of funnel, lead gen only, performance orientation, instead of thinking about brand. But there's a really nice report from Airheiser Bass, which talks about uh, only 5% of our audience being in buying mode at any one time. So our job on, certainly on social, as, as influence comes forward and breaking that social boring, is to create content that will make us memorable. And part of that is about knowing your audiences and what's relevant, thinking nudge-nurture, um, and what I mean by that is it's not one piece of content. It never is. And in fact, LinkedIn themselves say it's five to nine pieces of content or touch points to achieve an action. So, you know, re- the reality is mm. we need to focus in on the pain points of our customers and map out why they would want to buy and then plot that out as triggers for nudging and lots of different ways of addressing the problem solved that you answer through nurturing. Uh, And that works brilliantly when you want to break the social boring, you know, um, and then add to that, not just plumping for LinkedIn, looking at where your audiences really are, and this brand and lead gen, the full fat funnel, we call it, <laughs> which will help you build credibility and influence and thought leadership and and develop the good relationships. And one final thing that I will say to all B2B, uh, I, did a, I did a little bit of research a while back now, which is I collected up all the B2B tech brand posts or or posts out on um, social media and gathered up all the visuals they use. Mm, And I would say 90% 90 of them are blue. (laughs) (laughs) And it is just... And and with some kind of cloud image, if if they sell some kind of cloud technology. It's just just how on earth are you going to get standout and be memorable if you look like everybody else? (sighs) There's a fear. So this is something I want to kind of dig into a little bit because it's human nature in some ways and I I understand it just playing devil's advocate and I'm happy for you to kind of disagree but playing devil's advocate as a as a b2b technology brand you don't want to be too different to the competition because that probably signals to your buyer that actually you're not conscientious you're not professional you don't do you know it's not a product that I can buy because to a certain degree, you need to de-risk it for the buyer, which is going back to a conversation that we had earlier. So you don't want to be too different from the competition, but you want to be different enough that they recognize you and what and the, and the buying signals that signify to them that actually this is a product or service that is purchasable. And there are lots of signals that go along with that. So I can understand from an emotional point of view, the fact that B2B marketers don't want to lose their jobs, they want to look good and they want to do well. I can understand why they don't want to be too different to their competition. It's it's very hard to do in practice. Are there any guidelines or is there any advice that you can give to B2B marketers about how to stand out without standing out too much and putting their head on the chopping block? Because that also comes with its own risks. Uh, stand out when when we talk to brands about being brave and stand out they immediately their head turns to 
to something like innocent drinks or we can't be them, we can't be spec savers. We're not those, they immediately turn to consumer brands that have oodles of humorous personality. And I'm thinking, no, because that would not fit your brand. Um, Having a personality in B2B is really important, but that personality doesn't need to be silly. And actually your standout comes from doing what other brands are not doing. And what other brands tend to do in B2B is talk product, talk benefits and product. If you talk pain points and relevancy and situational context, you actually can be very different because now you're making it very... So you don't have to be MailChimp and all mm. crazy, but you, you can be more focused on where your customer is. And that standout, you know, like any good salesperson, it's what we all know, it's what matters to the customer or the prospect we're speaking to uh, and not what we say. You know, those telesales calls where somebody rabbits down the line at you for five minutes and that before you can get word in edgeways and say, I'm not responsible for this, go away, please. Yeah. Um, that kind of sales is very, you know, that's what we're doing on social. And what we should be doing on social is saying, we understand you. We know that there's a problem. We know that there's an issue here. Or we know that in, say, B2B tech, for instance, we know that cloud is often now a patched together disjointed function between legacy systems that are in-house and cloud systems out here. One of the big challenges is that makes patching an arduous, continuous job like painting the, the fourth bridge, you know. So so making that interesting to the IT director who's going, what the hell do I do with this mess that we've got? And offering a solution, you don't even have to offer the solution. That can come way down the pipeline. It's just getting into that element where you can be creative and you know try not to use too much blue motion and video and thought leadership will be your cut through engine so i'm not advocating that you know you you go mad and you know have a clown running through your cloud computing department (laughs) or anything like that i'm actually advocating to being more relevant Mm. to your audience and stop talking about yourself and it's amazing how so few brands don't do that and get that. It seems so intuitive to focus on the customer, create content around the pain points and challenges that they have. Don't just talk about yourself. It's so, it's the opposite of what we want to happen to us. But yet when we have our own products and services, that's the first thing that B2B brands do. Let's talk about the product. Let's talk about the features and how great it is. And it's like, they're turned off by the exact same thing. Um, it's, it's so weird. Yeah, bizarre. Final question, Katie. Um, I know that you've, I don't know how well you've prepared for this actually. So I've got a new closing question, which I'm asking everyone on the show. Um, I don't know whether you've seen it, but I'm going to throw it, throw it at you anyway. So we're at a nice restaurant. Pick one if you're choosing. What, what's your favorite restaurant, Katie? Oh gosh. I love all of them. McDonald's. Makes no difference to me. <laughs> okay. So what your favorite restaurant and you can bring three people, living or dead, to dinner. Um, we're all around a McDonald's dinner table. Um, and these three people can make you smarter or better in some way, in your job or in your role, in performance, in, in, in your life. Which three people do you pick and why? Okay, so I would pick, first of all, Dolly Parton. <laughs> because, oh my word, what a businesswoman she is, having... Brilliant done 
fought her way to the top with such grace, built a business with such grace, staying close to her roots. And I love that. She's all her. <laughs> uh, plus the fact she might sing later. So that's always a bonus. She's authentic, darling. She's isn't very she? authentic. Yeah. The second would be Gina Miller, who you may remember through that Brexit debacle where she took the government to court. Um, she's a business owner, political activist. I love that she does what she believes in and goes the whole way. Having had quite a squiggly career doing different things, she does what she believes. I think that's fabulous. And my last one will be Alex Scott. Mm. The, the uh, presenter? Sports, yeah, the presenter. presenter. Um, because she is such a fierce advocate for women's rights. And in a world where um, she's surrounded by men, she doesn't she she doesn't resort to cliches. Mm. She makes her point so clearly, and I'm fascinated by how she has created success for herself, not by being like men, but by being like her. I guess in all three of these, what you see is authenticity, women who are being themselves. Katie Howell, thank you for doing this. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is Influence is a production of Bridge Growth, the B2B influencer agency for technology brands. I could not produce this show without our crack staff here at Bridge. Tyler Baller is our booker. Christoph Borschek is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to This is Influence. Influence.